Welcome to Core Parenting Conversations. My name is Kaylee Kukla, and I've spent more than a decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of three, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my professional knowledge coming from over a decade of work experience with my master's degree in early childhood special education and combining it with real mom life, not just the theory, to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations and you'll gain practical tools that will inspire you to get to the heart or the core of your child's behavior and make simple, yet impactful changes. So let's dive in together. Welcome to another Core Parenting Conversation. Today we are focusing on uncoupled parenting and tricky family dynamics. This conversation has a few different layers. How do we discuss different family dynamics with our child, whether they're asking us about other people's families or their own? How do we speak with them about family members' behavior that doesn't align with our values? And how do we do all of this without adding to any sort of family dysfunction? This is an excerpt from a longer Q&A Jen and I had for my core community. Members submitted their questions and Jen and I discussed them. I asked Jen to help me answer people's questions because her background is in social work, child development, and uncoupled parenting gives her a unique and highly educated perspective to give us the most heartfelt and developmentally appropriate answers. Let's go ahead and dive into this core conversation. Well, hello and welcome to a very special Q&A today. I have my good friend and also a well-loved colleague, Jen Gallagher, here to talk to us today about uncoupled co-parents and answer some questions about, I think, relationships in general. How do we explain them? How do we frame them with our children? Different family dynamics and having those conversations. And then we'll also get into conversations about just tricky situations when you are co-parenting in two separate households. So Jen, tell us a little bit first, I want you to tell us about your background and what led you to come and offer this, your amazing wisdom. And it, it comes from a lot of experience. Um, so I want you to kind of share it, share it with us, and then we'll get started in some questions. So welcome. Thank you so much. And I'm really excited to talk to you and to be on your wonderful podcast platform. Before we became friends, I started following you. So <laughs> this is like wonderful to be part of this as well. So my background, my son is seven years old. He just turned seven. And just a little bit about pretty much the family dynamic of his family. I like to refer to it as his family is that his dad and I, we separated literally a week before I found out I was pregnant. So from the very beginning, he has had uncoupled parents. He's had parents who live in two homes for his entire life. We also were never married. So that whole divorce topic is, you know, the word divorce is something that is not like used in our house. And it's a little tricky to be able to like relate to other people when they say the word divorce. But really, that's why I like to stick to the topic of uncoupled parenting, because you don't necessarily have to be married to, you know, have children and to separate. Anyway, so his dad and I, we separated right before he was born. But prior to that, I had been working as a therapist. I've done many different hats in that type of mental health profession. One of them has been working with young, young children, early, I'd say, you know, toddlers to kindergarten. And then another time it was, you know, six to 10 early childhood. And then right before my son was born, it was with adolescents and young adults. So that has been my background prior to kind of taking in this venture of more of like coaching and not coming from like a clinical standpoint. I have my master's degree in clinical social work. So that means also like working one-on-one -on -one with clients versus not the focus of the broad sense of social work. So in the macro level, just kind of the things we use the terms in social work. But before all this, I was a therapist. So going into pretty much becoming a parent, knowing the information about 
the projected outcomes of divorce and the impact on children in the future, I thought like, how can I best support him in this environment, in this thing that I'm choosing, you know, his dad is choosing because in a way that's it's a decision that we made to not be together. And like, how can I best support him in this grown up decision that will be his life? And that sent me on a whole looking things up and expanding because some of the stuff is just very generalized and negative. So and then also having the concentration in child development within my master's degree track, I knew it took more than just like, Two loving parents will help a, a child thrive or not fighting in front of the children. You know, they they also say like, your child will be fine. I don't want him to be fine. I want him to thrive. And my right. painting intentions, you know, reflect that. I can't save him from everything. I can't make him this well, healthy adult with, you know, not going to therapy as an adult, but I can take steps to kind of like prime those things and to nurture him through his childhood journey up to, you know, adulthood. So I knew I needed to do more. So I sought the research and pretty much a lot of trial and error and putting things in that's not even around, like Googling into action. And a lot of things have materialized into positive outcomes. So I just an aside, and then we can dive into what, you know, the list we have to talk about today, what I've known your son since he was four, I think is when our boys three, when our boys first crossed paths. So for the past four, it's been four years. So for the past four years, I mean, there's a lot of growth and maturity that happens between three and seven. There's been a lot of changes to the family dynamics in his life and your life. And we've had really candid conversations about it. And something that I hope just like really resonated and like stood out to people as they listened to the intro, because it's stood out in the last four years is the conversations you decide to have or decide not to have, the language that you use, the supports you provide whenever you're navigating really tricky situations that we'll kind of talk about in a bit. It's so child-centered. And that's something that is so aligned with my heart and my work and my philosophy. And I know it's aligned with yours. And so I think that's just really beautiful. And above all else, as we're navigating these conversations today, My intention, I know your intention is just, it's child-centered, it's child-led, and how can we best serve our children? And so that's really important. And so um, the first thing I want to, I wanted, I told Jen, I really want to bring up because it's something I've navigated too, as a friend to you and my boys as a friend to your son, because he's right in the middle of my boys' ages. So my oldest is eight, your son is seven, and then my younger one's about to turn six. So they're like, Cambridge's the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I say sandwich um, in between your boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, is the first time I I'll never forget the first time we went over to your house, it was for like a Halloween party thing. Yeah. And as we were coming home, my son, who was three at the time, yeah, three, asked me, Hey, where was his daddy? And that started our conversation. And it it caught me off guard because, like, of course, the first thought is like, oh gosh, I don't want to mess this up, or I don't want to, I want to help normalize it. I don't want to give off this idea that something's wrong or broken or like so many, like we hear the term broken home, you know, like that. I didn't, it did not want to give off that vibe to my son because not at all. That's not at all what your son's world is like, but how can I explain it in a way that he understands? So it was very much that first introduction of, well, his daddy has his own house and lives in a separate house than his mommy. And their son goes between to both houses to spend time with his mommy and his daddy. So how do you being an expert in this and living this and watching how your son feels about it and responds to different situations, how do other parents navigate it when maybe our kids are come from a home with two parents in the same house? Mm -hmm. It's different. (laughs) No, it's very different. And an interesting story. So I was volunteering or something in the classroom because, you know, our boys have been in the same class over the past few years. But this other little boy who my son has like really connected with in the past, like, uh, I guess, year and a half, my son talks 
freely and openly and and has this, you know, not shame or just confidence in talking about his life. So he would say at mommy's house or at daddy's house without even thinking Mm -hmm. that it's like a weird thing. And it just so happens that in the classroom, there really isn't, there are families that look different, but not Mm -hmm. necessarily how his family looks. So when he just talks about this so freely, there was another little boy and it was almost like he didn't believe, you know, his friend, which was my son. (laughs) And he's like, you know, little dude, I refer to my son as little dude. I mean, we're playing one of the exercises, you know, on the floor and he goes, little dude says that you and his daddy don't live together. Is that true? (laughs) Why don't you believe your buddy? dude? But I said, yes, that is true. You know, and so I invited our son into the conversation without putting him on the spot. And I said, hey, do you, you know, you do you want to explain it? Or, you know, do you want me to explain it? Or we can talk about this another time. Because, you know, we just talked about him very child centered. So kind of putting him on the spot like that, especially in a conversation that was brought up by his peer, you know, me, I didn't want to kind of tread that overstep that boundary between his relationship. I know it sounds so weird, like thinking about this with a six-year-old, but it's true because it's a human being. You know, he said, yeah, I told you that I have, you know, my mom and daddy have different houses, you know, and I live at both of them. So, and I said, yeah, you know, so then I joined in and I said, yeah, his dad and I have different houses and he has a room in each house and he sleeps at both and he lives at both. You know, I said, like, you have one house, you know, he has two that he lives in because it's also like raising, you know, my son and raising a child who lives between homes, you know, giving them that sense of possession, you know, like possession of their house. Mm -hmm. If maybe one of your boys was talking to another playmate or a friend and saying like, oh, do you want to come over to my house? Yeah. And Ideally, I would love for my son to, you know, say like my house with mommy or my house with daddy. But realistically, those are a lot of words. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, those are a lot of words. So it's like really setting home the idea that he lives like those are both his houses, even though mommy owns one house and daddy owns one house. You know, he lives in both. So I said that to his friend and also to kind of reiterate in my son's mind, you know, kind of secretly that this is where you live. You live in both homes. Both are your houses. Well, and what I hear you saying is really focusing on this concrete ideas of, Mm -hmm. yes, he has a mommy and a daddy and they live in two separate homes and he has a room in each home and toys and clothes and you know, he does like does life at both homes. Yeah. So these really concrete and relatable things to other children, because I think as adults, like I know, right. When I hear, well, they're not together, they're separated. They got a divorce They're You know, as an adult, we've got all this kind of emotional baggage about what that means mm-hmm. or how do I explain it? And we can make it much more complicated than mm-hmm. what the kids are really interested in, right? Like the kids yeah. are interested in, well, like this kid, this cracks me up because I can just, he was so cynical. Like, wait, he has two homes. I mean, that's what this kid was focused on. Not this whole drama that adults yeah. tend to think about. When we or think your about mommy it. and daddy don't kiss each other. Like, do you know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like, or have, you know, I, I call it grown up love. So it's like your mommy and daddy don't have grown up love, like married, like they don't care about my marital status or his right. status, <laughs> right. you know, right. they, and then also like the, you know, adults, we know legal term, grown up mm-hmm. for things. So, mm-hmm. you know, saying the word custody, like, oh, his dad has custody and his mom has custody. Like that is completely over the head, has no business. It's like the peanuts grown ups in like Snoopy, you know, even the word divorce before a certain age. Yeah. I believe that it's wonderful for us to teach our kids about the word divorce and what that means, but not Mm -hmm. focus on it where we could use other language that's Mm -hmm. in a concrete way that says we're not married anymore, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's what divorce is. 
So let me ask you, because that's interesting you bring it up because I think divorce, my boys just started bringing up that word in particular, or like they kind of latched onto it recently. Mm-hmm. And my eldest is almost nine, right? So it's almost like, and he's phasing out, he's out of early childhood now, technically. And so divorce I'd say in the past year, they just started actually using that word. So for the younger kids, it's kind of like any other topic that's very layered, you know, like when we talk about sex with kids, like we don't start talking about sex. We start talking about body parts. parts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, naming body parts. So when they're little and you talk about, is it just they're not together anymore or they live in different houses or do you use a specific phrase to explain divorce or instead of divorce or separation in a non-marriage case? Yeah. So it's, and from my practical experience, you know, of Mm -hmm. raising a child who's never seen their parents together Mm -hmm. and has lived Mm -hmm. in all of his life, I've gone through the stages of, being a toddler, infancy, toddlerhood, that preschool, and then now into, you know, seven, early childhood, where it's been different things. You know, it was completely concrete where it's like, daddy and mommy don't live together, you know, more in the really actually too, because going from home to home, it was a lot of why. And my son is very inquisitive and he asked why everything. So, you know, giving him the, providing him the information without flooding him is, you know, well, mommy and daddy live at different homes and you live with us at different homes, you know, or you live in two homes and then things. Why? Get why? Why? <laughs> but why? Well, see, my didn't ask that until like three of like, why? Okay. And then so how I explain it is, well, you know, mommy and daddy, we like very different things. We like different music, like going different places. I talk about through my content, I talk to other families about neutralizing things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that is like, I believe, kind of bringing in these other subjects of comparing things to like, I mean, Mm -hmm. he's straight up talking about why aren't you and daddy in a romantic relationship, you know, with me and we're in a nuclear family. Like, that's what he's asking. Why Mm -hmm. do you guys live separately? But like, Mm -hmm. What I'm telling him and bringing through like a child's eyes is like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, mommy and daddy like to do different things. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, mommy and daddy are different. He very much so knows that we're very different. So we like different things and we like our space. And because we like different things, we like things in in our spaces. And I like to have my home a certain way. And and, And like you just mentioned about the homes, I like to have my stuff. And sometimes it's hard when two people are so different that they can't come to that and learning about the different words, like about cooperation, because he's three. So we would talk about cooperation and stuff. And sometimes we just couldn't get to a point of cooperation because it's true. Like sometimes you have to walk away, like when conflict resolution with kids on the playground can't make kids cooperate. So it's what do you do next? And you teach them that kind of their own boundaries is to walk away or to use their voice. And if that doesn't work, they walk away. So it's not like we're teaching kids or putting this fear inside of kids. It's like their real life stuff and we can adapt it to these situations. So, and that's how I do it. I literally use real life situations where it was like, maybe he was having an argument or not an argument, but like somebody hurt his feelings. I'll bring that into like, how do you feel about yourself? That kind of stuff I bring into the questions that he asks and he puts me on the spot. I bring it back to real life stuff or TV. (laughs) That's another one too. You know, relatable TV characters. Yes, relatable TV, you know, like Bluey. I've done that many times. (laughs) Bluey. Bluey for the win. Okay, so speaking of a lack of cooperation, let me just rephrase that difficulty cooperating. Let's dive into some of these questions because there's some difficulty cooperation. And what I loved is when I sent you these questions, you boiled it down to themes. And so using some of the social work term, you know, these are very micro examples that we were given and we're kind of zooming out and turning them into macro themes. So they're applicable in my mind. I'm sitting here reading and like the themes that you mentioned that we're going to highlight in our conversation is not just for uncoupled parents. Mm -hmm. It can also be for these contentious relationships, even if they're under the same roof. 
So if there is a lot of bickering or fighting or it's just uncomfortable, maybe that's just the season of the relationship right now. I think these are a way to keep it child-centered and help the child feel supported while we still deal with our adult stuff. Mm -hmm. That's just life. Like we can't sugarcoat and erase the fact that life still happens while we're parenting. You know, we can't separate the two. So this first question is, I'm not going to get really specific with the question that was given, but just how do you handle situations where the co-parent lies to your kids about other people, your family members, or maybe even you? yourself. And I'm just going to leave it really general and let you pull out the theme that you want to pull out there because I this is my favorite one, I think. This core conversation is made possible through Kaylee's core membership program. If you find yourself soaking up the information in this podcast and others, but still grapple with questions like, how do I get my kid to listen? What happens when I try that and it doesn't work? Or if you just crave like-minded and like-hearted parents who are also on this wild parenthood journey, you found your place in CORE. I take the theories and strategies and I'm constantly adapting them and applying them to real life through monthly deep dives, handouts, workbooks, and live Q&As. So if you want to take your parenting with intention to the next level, or you just need more support, check out CORE at www.kayleekukla.com backslash C-O-R or head to the show notes for the link. I have recent examples, back in the day examples, you know, about all this in my personal experience and then also working with clients, other different scenarios. And this is, this is like a big one because when you're hearing this information, there's like a lot of things going on in your head where it's like, I don't want my kid being lied to. Like you're mad, maybe going back to old patterns of your past relationship with the person. You know, it's like, oh, they always lie. This is them just doing it again. So it's like this whole flood of emotions comes in when you hear that information that your child is like coming to you with or sharing. And in a way, it is, I mean, just straight what it is, is your child is in the middle. I was going to say, can I just real quick, when I read this question and when I think about probable examples, in my head, I'm going, how confused must the child feel? Mm -hmm. And especially when you're confused about your parents or other loved ones. So Mm -hmm. if the other parent is lying about, you know, a grandma or mm-hmm. grandfather, aunt, uncle, or maybe even a sibling, or or maybe even another co-parent, you know, mm-hmm. a stepmom, a stepdad, whatever. I'm a, the child must feel really confused. And that confusion can feel scary. It had so many different layers. I know this question yeah. did, but really coming from a place of like how you internalize this information and how it comes into you. I mean, it's like the mindset, you know, yeah. it hits that mindset and how you react to it, respond to it, mm-hmm. comes from how you are processing this information that is coming in, you know? So it all starts there. And that's why I said, like, you have so many things flooding to you, like infidelity maybe happened. So they lied to you over and over again. It's like, how can they do this? They never liked my family or any way. So they're doing this to hurt me. When all your kid is saying is like, can I do this? Or mommy said this. They're sharing their life with you. You weren't there in the conversation. The question that I ask myself and that I encourage other parents to do in these situations, especially when they're very heavy things, when it comes to like lying and stuff, mm-hmm. I ask like, is my response that's going on inside my body, is this Xing or is this parenting? Like, how am I going to respond? Am I responding from a place of where my kid is literally not there and I'm responding to the hurt that I'm feeling towards his other parent or their other parent, or I'm responding to the question that they're asking, you know? So are you responding to all the baggage I have with my ex? Mm-hmm. Or am I responding to the child who is in front of me, who needs me to show up as a confident leader? Yeah. And the information that they're providing. I mean, when you have like a, a three-year-old talking about yeah. something, like he hurt my feelings. I just started now in like a teaching role at, at you know, my son's school. And it's like one of the little girls said, like, what's going on that you're so upset? And she said, blah, blah, blah. 
didn't look at me when I was talking to her and she was being so mean. If I was hearing like, you know, a child saying they're being mean, it could be so many different things. The little girl could have been looking at something else in the distance. There could have been a shiny object over there. We don't know the situation. So when our children are providing this information, we aren't there. They're just sharing. I like to just think in my head and kind of as a mantra, they are sharing their life with you. You know, they're telling you about just maybe what happened at their other home, which is their other home, maybe what they heard. They're not trying to get, and this all goes into child development about children aren't out to get us. They don't have that sense of like malice. They're not trying to manipulate us and stuff like that. And when we get there into that mindset and don't kind of remember the things that you talk to parents about, you know, really breaking it down from like the overall level, it's like, okay, so my child isn't saying this to hurt me. My child isn't saying this to do these things to me. He's just asking a question or just, you know, sharing their life. If the child is saying, well, mommy said this about grandma or daddy said this about uncle Bob and it's one of your family members and it's just not true or it's been misrepresented. Mm -hmm. How do you correct it? Do Mm -hmm. you reframe it? How do you even address the other parent and characterize them as, well, maybe they made a mistake or, oh, they don't remember that story right. Or, you know, that doesn't feel good to me either. I'm not sure this is, Jen, how do you navigate? <laughs> it's and it's tricky. Like we, I mean, yeah. you came out and talked that this is a tricky thing, and yeah. I kind of look at it from like the everything, like the bottom line. It's like, why are you separated with their other parent? And most of it always boils down to is values and belief systems. Somewhere mm-hmm. those values changed mm-hmm. or really weren't there, and beliefs weren't there. And they were conflicting so much that you couldn't come to this harmonious relationship maybe that you had been in. There's a warring value system. So for me, I want my son to have the relationship with his dad without me interfering in that relationship to an extent. I want to also nurture him, guide him and support him the best way I can. But it's not my place to overstep and say, daddy's lying because also I wasn't there in the conversation. It could have been something they overheard on the phone. It could have been a venting thing to maybe if they're remarried and another spouse that you didn't hear. It could have been something completely different. And so it's something to kind of, I think, tread lightly with. And I know I've been in this situation myself where things weren't true. And I said something like, Just thanks for sharing that with me. Depends. Just the other day, my son's dad or my son came to me and he said, daddy called you a grown up word in the car. So it's like that information, just as like, if you're hearing that your child is saying a lie, you know, or saying that some, something is a lie with, yeah. It's like when you attack my family, it's like, I can only be stressed out about my sister. But if you're calling names about my sister, I'm going to attack you you know, and then also personal attacks and stuff like that. And I just simply said, because he's sharing this information, I do know why his dad said that. But I said, okay, well, instead of kind of going at it and being like, well, how did that make you feel? Or, you know, it's not nice to say all those things. If this was a teacher, and he overheard a teacher say this at school, because I don't have the same relationship, or really admiration of I don't feel so strongly about the teacher and child relationship as his other parents' relationship like dad, his dad said a grown-up word about me. And maybe this was, you know, like saying a grown-up word to somebody in front of you in the car because they didn't go through that yellow light and you slip and say something that it just comes out. Like I took a deep breath, whether this was like a lie, like the questioner asked. So me, I took a deep breath and I said, oh, okay. And he's like, why did he say that? And I said, you know, I don't know why he said that. And in a way, I didn't know why he said that at that moment, why he chose to say that out loud, you know, and I didn't. I didn't know why. I didn't know what was going on through his head. I knew it hurt me. And 
really the message that I want to teach him is that, yeah, some people are going to say mean things to you. But what really matters? What really matters is that I like myself. And that's where I always, when there's been a situation where it was like they were talking bad about you or blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, I don't know why they said that. But you know what matters most is that I like myself. I like the way whatever it's about or something like that. It's like, I don't believe that I'm like this grown-up board. He didn't say what the grown-up board, he wanted to tell me. And I said, I don't need to know what the grown-up board is. He's like, don't you want to know what it is? And I was like, no, I don't want to know what it is because it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. So if they're lying about a family member, is it enough to say, I don't know why they said that. That's not my experience with this person. Or I believe this person to be safe. Or Right, you get what I'm saying in terms of like, you're really focusing on your perspective and mm-hmm. your experiences. And because you're parenting, it's my relationship with my child. I'm not trying to undermine the ex yeah. or the, the other parent. Is that mm-hmm. okay? Or correct them, I guess. Yeah, because I mean, I also feel like things that other family members are doing things that I don't like, that I don't want him doing. And like my view of that, and then dad thinks that it's okay it's like the same thing about like my lens is like, this isn't okay. And his lens is that okay. And we're both have legal responsibility to care for, you know, our son. So we both have say in that, but it's the tricky part of putting the child in the middle of this. So just to be like specific to this question, because it was like, daddy said that I can't do this because the other person is going to go to this event. So I have to choose. Now, If I was in this situation, I would have nipped it at the butt of where like, you know, that's a conversation for me and daddy to have, or this is a parenting. Mm -hmm. I like that. That, Because that's a boundary. In the butt. Yeah. Yeah. That's a boundary. And, you know, and even in a marriage, like my husband and I, sometimes when my kids start getting caught up in the logistics of when we're planning or whatever, and, and also this happened a lot during our baby stay in the NICU and PICU when there were a lot of moving parts. It's like, this is a parenting, this is a mommy and daddy conversation. And I'm willing to listen to like what you're in our case, like what your preferences or like they were trying to interject, like what they wanted. I'm willing to listen to that. And then ultimately daddy and I are going to have a conversation and make a choice together. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what we do even because I collaborate with him, you know, my son, like all the time. I believe, and this is where it comes to my values. I believe that he deserves to have a voice and say, but then also having, you know, authority of being his parent and being his right. safe person, being right. his trusted leader, all those kind of things is that I ultimately make those decisions. So he knows that with me and I can even bring that back because if, I mean, he's a why, 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 why? And it's like, yeah. remember when you didn't want to do this and we talked about it and we we said, well, I had to make the decision. Now, Daddy and I, in this situation, Daddy and I have to make this decision. And that's just a conversation for mommy and daddy. So I relate it back to like real life stuff versus staying your personality of me. And you're taking your child, again, this theme of you're taking your child out of the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Because if then we're trying to explain, well, daddy has that wrong or that's not right, or it's we're going over daddy's head, I'm under or I'm undermining daddy or whatever that conversation in your head might sound like the goal is to take the child out of the adult conversation. So along the same lines, we got another question. And I think this is very related. So I want to go into this about, well, it's different. And I think it's kind of related. Parentification. So when the other parent is oversharing things that may be, you know, about the other parent, about the custody, let's say, you know, these big legal terms for the kids, it's not really on their radar, but the parent, the other parent is now sharing these type of conversations with the kids and giving them a lot of information and they're coming back to you Mm -hmm. and sharing this information. So is that a situation where you would nip it in the bud too and be like, wow, it it sounds like there was a lot being said about that. And it sounds like daddy and I need to have a conversation about this. Mm-hmm. Parentification is really tricky. I mean, even yeah. if you try to Google it and like look it up, it says that it's misspelled. So if you have a word that says it's misspelled, it's kind of like, okay, this can be very convoluted, like all different kinds of things here. And right. there's a lot of people 
see parentification as like the kid being inside or switching roles of child-parent relationship where the child is taking care of the home, a lot of times more so in a physical sense, but this would be an emotional sense. So this would be, you know, having your child be your confidant in things and leading on them for emotional support. Now, it's tricky because also teaching kids about certain things like there was this example online that a psychologist said where it was like the parent was late picking the kid up. And then when the kid came in the car, the parent was like, there was so much traffic, blah, blah, blah. My boss yelled at me and they labeled that parentification. Now, it's interesting because I would, if my son came in the car and, you know, I was late to be like, I would apologize. You know, I would own up to what I did, you know, wrong. And it was like, I was late and that wasn't okay. And then further down, I might bring up the situation where my boss yelled at me and I was really frustrated, but then bring it back to, you know, mommy gets frustrated too. Mommy gets frustrated too. And when he was younger, I'd say, well, what can I do next time? Can you tell me what I can do next time when I get frustrated? Now, people might say that's parentification, but it's really teaching your child to... It's normalizing the situation. Normalizing, but then it's also teaching them about emotions and yeah. regulation and putting to practice what you've taught them. You know what I mean? It's so tricky. Parentification is really, really tricky. But most of the time in these situations, it's talking about, a lot of times it talks about infidelity. A lot of times it's infidelity. It's like your mom decided to, you know, sleep with blah, blah, blah. And that's why we're divorced. That's the major kind of theme, what it comes down to. Or your daddy doesn't then what do you? So is it the the response of, wow, that, that seems like, I don't know, that's tricky, right? Do you draw that boundary of like, that's an adult or daddy and I can have that conversation later? Or simply just, especially in that situation, do you have any questions for me mm-hmm. to help the child make sense of maybe this overshare or over information that they received? Because a lot of times when kids have too much information, right, it's confusing and, and they need someone to kind of ground them and, and bring it back into constructs they can understand. Yeah. So kind of going back into like, remembering like, the child in front of you and what they're asking, because everything is so like nuanced in that those type of things. So if yeah, your kid yeah. is just saying, daddy said that you cheated on him and that's why you're not together anymore. If they're just, just saying this information, in my eyes, that would be a different response than the, your child asking, well, mm-hmm. daddy said, is that true? Mm-hmm. You know, Got it. so Got it. you'd be sharing more information that's not even necessary would be going into more background and stuff like that and be like, oh, okay, well, remember I told you you can tell me anything. I mean, you don't even have to say thank you for sharing your world with me. But a lot of times I I do. I said, you know, I said, that's a grown up conversation. But like I said, you can tell me anything. That's something that happened between grown ups and you're a kid and that's not your responsibility. Your job is to be a kid. So really just kind of bringing it back to what your child is actually saying or what they're asking or the child in front of you. And then also responding to their emotional need at the time. Like if they're worried, how are you going to respond to that worry? If they're upset, how are you going to respond to that upset? Because if we're, this kind of goes back into, oh, it all trickles into, because it's like, if I'm Xing, I'm not going to see my child is upset and be able to have my own upset. There you go. Yeah. Like, you know, calm their upset or be rounding force with their upset. It's just going to bypass them. Right. You right. know, so it's like, okay, am I going to respond in this way to what my child is sharing their life with me? Or am I going to be responding in a way that's Xing? And I like to call that, you know, in comparison with parenting, because now you're just overshooting the kid and responding to your ex. Like if your kid wasn't there and they were just like a conduit of information. Yeah. So, I mean, it was really, it's so nuanced. And this is what really that whole belief system and kind of really having that foundation of like, what are my parenting intentions? Do I want my child to be able to share things? with me and be that safekeeper of information and not be afraid to tell me something, then if I believe that, I need to find a way where I can handle 
my child coming to me with very hard conversation. Triggering, I would assume. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to find a way. If I want yeah. him to be able to, maybe down the line, if something happens to him where, it, I mean, like, really much, let's go back to any type of like molestation or anything like that. Like we say like, oh, you know, we tell our kids, you can tell me if anybody does anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. But then it's like, nope, don't share what daddy has to say because that's not my business. Or, you know, like, don't tell me that. When you're shutting them down, it's like, I thought I could tell you anything, but you're not following through with that anything. So let me ask, and then I think it lends itself into another really great question we we were given, but is it okay? And especially I feel like if this is newer, like a newer situation for a family and it's still really raw and probably like just salt being poured into an open wound because the wound is still gaping open because it was just ripped open, you know, there's your visual for the day. But is it okay to say, wow, that's a lot of information. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing. I need a minute to think about this Mm -hmm. and take that step back and then circle back with your child when you're in a place of like, okay, I've had my moment of, I want to punch my ex in the face. I'm feeling really pissed off about and like you processed all that. And now I can, I'm done Xing, which yeah. is my like knee reaction. And now I can show back up for my kid. Is that um, like, yeah. And I even say that's like nuance too, where it's like, yeah. if this is going to be a heavy conversation and we're trying to run out the door, if anything, he would bring me anything. I would say, Hey, I really want to talk about this more. And because it sounds like you're confused and stuff like that. Can we have this conversation at bedtime? Or like, I'd like to talk to you about this more and give you my full attention, you know, completely present. And it's really coming back to them. That would be like a time instant. Or if it's like, hmm, let me think about that for a moment, you know, just like, you know, you would with other things that they say. I mean, it's hard to do, but, you know, it's. It's extremely hard to do, but really taking that moment. I used to do like a long hmm when there was like really like just random stuff, you know, that was thrown at me, but it was something that I could answer in the moment. So that was just like a a filler (laughs) of like, okay, how can I calm down from this moment? And, you know, talk in a way that really benefits him versus me just being pissed off at dad. But, you know, in a way, I don't necessarily go into the same kind of details that I would if it's like I stub my toe and I need a minute or like there's a lot of things. I would probably go into more like, okay, mommy's really frustrated right now. It would be more of just like, I need a minute to think about that. I really want to have this conversation, but I want to put, you know, I want to have it in a way that we can both answer questions if you need to. But for little ones, I would say, Hmm, that was like a really good question or I'm not sure. And if like, you don't know the answer, you can just say, you know, not sure. Or, you know, I don't know why they did that. And just kind of let them take the lead. Was that answering? I know I got well, into a couple so, different things there. Right. But I think it's bleeding into like, I, I, it's all interconnected. And I love that, like these layers. But so yeah. the other one, and we have one time for one more question. And so I want to get to this where the parent, when there's, multiple children in the family unit mm-hmm. and there's favoritism or perceived favoritism of one child over the other. And mommy is choosing more time or more connection with this child, the other child. And so, or one child tends to just feel left out more. You know, I've noticed even between my boys, one is more sensitive to feeling left out than the other, their perception doesn't make it less real, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't make it less real, but it, it's just tricky because one perceives it one way, the other perceives it differently. So, mm-hmm. so I'm wondering when, when you have a parent, maybe it seems very obvious to you that they're spending more time or when they're FaceTiming, when they're at the other house, they ask to talk to the other child more. And then you've got this other child who almost feels rejected Mm-hmm. or is saddened by it. And now you're left kind of navigating this conversation, but it really has to do with the other parent. Mm-hmm. Let's zoom out. Let's find a theme. And what is that? There's a couple of things there. There's, I think I, there's like three things there. And this is what I can imagine. I'm like, I said, I never was married to 
my son's dad or anything like this, but I do have many friends. I've done family counseling where, you know, couples have this challenge or something like that. And this is a challenge that I can foresee that so many families have, you know, but then we add the extra layer of intention between the other parent, and that it almost like adds fuel to the fire. It makes that fire bigger, you know, because in like a harmonious, like I, I mean, you say like a happy marriage. I, I don't really like that term, but let's, let's just say in a cooperative, harmonious marriage of parents, you could talk and sit down and say, Hey, I noticed that this is going on, like, and that they felt this way, you know, what's going on, maybe like, you know, with you or, you know what I mean? Do you guys, you want to talk about it, you know, and then that would bring up a conversation to talk about, or, you know, maybe to share things like, I just don't relate to that child, or it's hard for me to talk to my three-year-old when they're bouncing off the walls on a FaceTime, but my 10-year-old is sharing, you know, all these things and I can relate to, or maybe it's boy versus girl. I know there's a lot of favoritisms with, you know, boys versus girls of like same gender, you know, dad's favorite boys and, you know, a lot of times. So it would be like, yeah, because they're having a conversation on baseball, you know, or something that they have a same common interest. interest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's so many things that are going on here. And then the biggest thing you have is your child coming to you and saying, feeling left out. And that's the biggest thing, you know. And so a lot of that stuff overshadows what's really going on. So it's your child's feeling left out. And it could be for many reasons of why they're left out, you know, but your job is, well, I believe it's our job to give that attention and nurture them through that feeling left out feeling. So what I would do is I hear that you're bummed about this, or I hear that you're upset or whatever emotion, you know, that's going on, or that makes you really angry. Like I, I see that you're really angry about this, or you're really hurt about this. I don't know why they want to talk, blah, 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 wants to talk to your, you know, older sister. Would you like to make them a picture? Do you want to do something like that? It's tricky because in this situation, if, if I was placed in this situation, I would bring it up just very, not necessarily gently, just, oh, blah, 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 really wanted to talk to you the other day. Can we split up the FaceTime? Would that be okay? And not like go to their character and not speak to the character like, oh, you're favoring blah, blah, blah. And it's like me projecting my own feelings onto what's going on when it's like, oh, they just, you know, maybe they're overstimulated with a bouncing off the wall toddler or not toddler, but like four-year-old or something like that. You know, so it's really just saying, hey, they were really upset and sharing that they really wanted to talk to you. And that's just the providing the information. And without shame, you're just literally giving the information or how could you make them be upset? No, it's like, you know, when you were on the phone with blah, 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 shared that you were really that they wanted to talk to you longer, you know, or they wanted to talk to you on the phone, be like, can we do something or bring it into their what they want to do? Because then you might find out from that information that literally they're not good with FaceTiming, but, you know, you could do a conversation on the call or, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, and I think what's really interesting, too, and I think this is a really good kind of summary of everything is it depends, too, on the child and your co-parenting relationship and the family dynamic and the situation. But, you know, something that I've done with my own children and they're missing a family member, they feel left out or they feel like they haven't had enough time is this actually happened over the summer, like missing classmates, for example. And, oh, they're having a play date. And I, why don't I get play dates? Because when we were in between the hospital and like all this stuff, I was like, I can't be driving you all over to play dates right now, you know? So it was, well, do you want to make this um, so-and-so drop this off for you? Would you like to do it or make it? And I can take a picture and text it to them. So in my mind, that's something, a tool I would use as well, if that's appropriate with the co-parenting situation to communicate with the other one. And then maybe that's something more concrete to still build that connection between the parent and the child without, again, assigning that shame, blame, attacking their character 
or even putting, you know, intentions that they may or may not have. We're assuming intentions of mm-hmm. leaving the child out that they may or may not be aware of. It depends. It is so applicable. And so, and I think the zooming out and looking at the overall theme and, and really putting every, the child in the center of everything and not in between everything yeah. is the overarching. So Jen, because I know you do one-on-ones, I know you have social, so tell us where people can find you if they do need more nuance or or want to pursue more information from you. Well, you can find me pretty much social media wise. I'm more on Instagram. Um, I took a little hiatus, but I'm back on Instagram. So you can find me there. My handle is at Single Parenting Solutions. You can always email me and my email is jen at single parenting solutions. And you can book a call through there if you wanted to have a consultation call to see if one-on-one services might be best for you. You can check out just the content that I provide on social media, you know, as well. And, you know, pretty like find out a, a lot of new things that are coming that I have planned in the near future as well. So that will be posted on um social media. And then if you want to sign up for my newsletter, you can get that information as well, which will also be posted in social media in the link, one of the links to do that. Super exciting. Well, thank you so much for your expertise and your wisdom and your time today. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it as well. And this has been a wonderful conversation because all the things that you do, It's really just me carrying on into making it to uncouple parenting. So I'm bringing that. Love the connection. Love the connection and overlap. (laughs) Thanks so much, Jen. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining Jen and I for this excerpt of our conversation. If you would like to find out more about how Jen can support you, you can check out her Instagram page at Single Parenting Solutions or head to her singleparentingsolutions.com website for more information. I've linked her information and the core community information in the show notes. Have a wonderful week. 